Welcome to The Off Five. It's the podcast where we talk about every episode of The Office, our recollections from when we were on that show, and I played family. <laughs> I'm Nathan. I was actually just a, um, a crew member, and I'm Addie. That sucks. I was just kidding. I didn't play Stanley. I played Toby, obviously. Um, this is season four, episode 10, Branch Wars. Came out November 1st, 2007. That's right, it did. Let's talk about what happened in that episode using our segment, Wikipedia is the best thing ever. In this episode, Karen tries to poach Stanley Hudson from Dunder Mifflin Scranton. And Stanley informs the branch that he's leaving. In revenge. Michael Scott and Dwight Schrute trick Jim Halpert into traveling to the company's Utica branch. Where the group attempts to play a prank on Karen. Back at the office. Pam Beasley, Oscar Martinez, and Toby Flinderson try to hold their club meeting. With disastrous results. Results. I don't really think it was disastrous, but... Are you kidding? We'll they had that. so many beeps they had to hear while they were talking. <laughs> That's the worst thing that could ever happen. Because it smells like popcorn. 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 Uh, this episode was written by Joss Whedon and written by Mindy Kaling. You know Joss Whedon from The Avengers, and he did one of the other episodes, too. I forget which one. And something about uh, witches or something. Uh, Charmed? No. Buffy the Vampire Slayer? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. He was like a nerd hero until a while back when he became not a nerd hero anymore. <laughs> so, and then he... Go. Go. <laughs> there's uh, there's some trivia, which I don't think very much of is is very interesting. Well, <laughs> Do you like there's, any other trivia? There's one thing. Um, the teapot that they use during the Finer Things Club is the teapot that Jim gave Pam for Christmas. Mm, that was trying right. to be stolen from her at, to be used as a neti pot. That's right. Okay, that is a good one. What did Another you have? One is, well, the the first act, according to Wikipedia, pre premiered during the office convention, um, which was like a big convention they had with the uh, actors and stuff like that in Scranton way back in the day. And, and what happened? Did everyone watch it together? Everyone clapped Aww. and they said, I love this show. <laughs> That's why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, there's also some deleted scenes. There was one weird one where Pam is like ribbing Jim because cause he's in Utica and Karen's going to be there. Did you oh, see that one? No, but you mean she's upset with that? Well, she's just making jokes, but then it does seem like she's a little bit worried too. See, I liked the way that the show handled Pam's reaction to um, him going to Utica. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't have, I'm glad they left that out. Me too. There's one where Andy tries to get into the Finer Things Club by bribing them. By saying he has a letter of recommendation from former U.S. Senator Rick Santorum in an envelope. It's just $150. No way. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, he has, like, a resume and says that. And, and uh, anyway, then then they, like, give him a letter that says he's basically waitlisted. Oh, my gosh. Which. That's pretty good. I, yeah, that was pretty funny. And actually, I would have really liked when Jim got in after that. It would have been even a little bit funnier than it was with him just having tried to get in. Yeah, because then he's like, come on. And it would have made a little bit more sense that he was trying harder. Yeah, because he would have been on the wait list. So then someone got, they let someone else in in front of him. He's not used to that kind of thing. Yeah. Because he went to Cornell. Ever heard of it? 
Yeah, he was waitlisted at Cornell, too, he revealed in that deleted scene. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's talk about a segment we like to call Crack Open a Cold Open. (laughs) Crack, home run. Oh, out. So this segment is where we talk about the cold open, obviously. And in this episode, the cold open um, starts in Utica with the receptionist. And then we see Karen answering the phone and she's like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm the regional manager of the Utica branch. And I'm about to answer this phone call from someone. And then she's like, yeah, you're welcome aboard. (laughs) Glad we could connect. And guess who it is? We don't know, do we? Or do they say? No, we don't know. Yeah. Um, we, we only know it's a salesperson or it's someone from um, Scranton. Scranton. Way back in the day, I asked, how is Michael the regional manager? It seems like he's just the branch manager. And the then Karen for- says she's the regional manager of the Utica branch. What does that mean? Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Regional manager, there's a connotation that it would be like the manager of multiple managers right mm-hmm. or like multiple or, branches a region yeah i don't know weird i mean technically i guess like scranton does they probably have like a region that they want to stay in and then utica is a region that they stay in in order to sell paper and like not have um competition between them but still like it seems like it should just be branch manager yeah branager <laughs> branch branchager uh, but also, Karen then lies. She says, for the record, a certain salesperson reached out to me. But that's not true, is it? Sounds well, it very could much be. in this cold open that like that she was the one trying to get in touch with him. Yeah, but he could have sent her an email. And then mm. she says, call me. And then they're like, oh, glad we could connect. Because Stanley is just trying to use this as leverage to get more money. Do money. You th- why do you think? Why do you think Karen was able to offer more money but... Michael isn't. Hmm. Probably it's because... coming out ultimately coming out of the same budget. Yeah. Well, and it's also funny because then later on when Michael calls their top salesman, he's probably offering him less money. I mean, they never got to that point, but Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> and um, I mean, it just doesn't make sense really that it would be like poaching because you would think that the salary would be the same um within the same company would be the same wherever you go so um wouldn't it make more sense if karen was like at staples or something or like i don't know if that's true you don't think so if if you have a better team then your branch is less likely to get closed down and also depending on cost of living and and profits you would think that the payment might be different in different branches even oh maybe that's true even the payment like between the salespeople might not be the same that's true because remember, right. like Dwight and Andy were arguing about who got paid more, and, and Michael said, "Your pay is just different." <laughs> <laughs> They're both salespeople. I stand corrected about the inner workings of Dunder Mifflin. Well, then, second part of the crack open, the cold open, just the cold <laughs> open. We say uh, we get Michael <laughs> doing a Ferris Bueller's Day Off sleeping mannequin. <laughs> oh yeah, and Stanley does have a good point. What's better? I mean, how is that better that you're here sleeping than if you're away? Because if you're there sleeping, you still get paid. No, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, why does the 
why does the hand have to move attached to the door and then touch a thing that makes it play the snoring sound? Why don't you just play the snoring sound all the time? <laughs> it's it's complicated. You wouldn't understand. It's, <laughs> it's a secret. It's a secret. You wouldn't understand. But anyway, that's when Stanley says, I'm going to take it and leaves. Yeah, and Michael makes the comment that he, if he was going to play a hooky, it would probably be with Ryan or Daryl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the cool, the coolest guys, the cool ones. Uh, and then as another part of crack open a cold open, we like to talk about what we're drinking while we record the episode. What do you think? What do you got? I'm drinking um, Matua Sauvignon Blanc 2019 um, Marlboro. Oh, it's oh. From, it's a it's it's a Sauvignon Blanc from Marlboro, Marlboro, New Zealand. From Marlboro country. The, the Marlboro. <laughs> Their, slow, I don't their know. Uh, mascot I'm... is the Marlboro man, and he's just like a drunk <laughs> on, on, a, on, a, on a horse. <laughs> but I don't want to make you sad, but I've become a lot classier since leaving Colorado. I've started dabbling in the the world of wine. I've noticed. Uh, yeah. And well, I told one of my friends that, um, one of my Colorado bro friends, and he was like, oh, Carlo Rossi? I was like, <laughs> Come on, man. No. Classier than that. It's a hundred dollar like, bottle of wine. Yeah, right. He's like Sutter home. I'm like, oh no. That's uh I'm I haven't become classy. I'm drink drinking a soundcraft seltzer, but it's flavored like wine. Rose. <laughs> oh, is awesome. it good? Yeah, it is. And the can is, is really cool. Uh Seattle. Oh. The Soundcraft Seltzer Company. I'm sure you have it up there. I should try that. The can looks really seventies. Sweet, that is so in right now. Everybody makes a seltzer now, even like Seagrams and Bud Light and Natty Ice, and it's crazy. I know, but some of them are so bad. Yeah, that's their brand. <laughs> Seagrams. Um. All right. What? Where are we? Oh yeah, crack open a cold open. He got an offer from Utica for more money, and he's going to take it. Um. Should we talk about Kevin's chilies? Let's do it. Let's talk about the pop culture references in this episode of The Office. There's a lot of them in this one. Yeah, especially because there's a whole club um, based off of reviewing pop culture. But it's fine pop culture, like um, E.M. Foster's A Room with a View. Mm -hmm. They'd probably be drinking like a wine instead of a hard seltzer there. Probably, Matua. (laughs) One of the references... That's not pop culture, but just a place. I just want to mention this. The Utica is almost three hours away from Scranton by driving, according to my Google Maps. So this day is really long for those people that drove to Utica and back. Yeah, that is really long. And where's Corcoran? What's that? Where's Corcoran? Corcoran? Yeah. I don't know what that um, is. It is... Coruscant? <laughs> no, it's a place that was mentioned. It's... um. One second. I don't know why In I France? wrote it down, then. If you haven't... If you haven't heard of it. Oh, it's it's in New York City. Oh, because they say that Corcoran um, dropped staples. So it's the Corcoran branch of Dunner Mifflin is what I'm assuming. Oh, remember they're like, that's how they get uh, Jim in the car. They're like, Corcoran dropped staples. Let's go. And then they're like, oh, we missed the exit for Corcoran. <laughs> what are we where are we going? What, wouldn't Corcoran be a company that's now not using staples? Staples to supply their paper, and that's why they're going to go get the big client. Either way, it's a lie, but 
Yeah, that could be that could be true because now that I'm looking up um, the Dunder Mifflin branches, there's only Albany, Utica, Scranton, Akron, Nashua, Buffalo, and Rochester. I found it. Corcoran Printing is a company. Oh, really? And that so they would use a lot of paper. And where are they? They're in Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania. So Oh, Wilkesbury. Wilkesbury. Oh, that's how you spell berry. <laughs> yeah, Wilkesbury. They've talked about berry. Wilkesbury. So anyway, berry. So that's a berry. Oh, berry. <laughs> that's a huge printing company. So that would be like, oh, they're not going to use staples for their paper anymore. Okay, got it. It's just a lie, though. Is Wilkesbury on the way to uh, Utica? Oh, let's see. Utica's in New York. To people that don't know, I'm going to set out to make a Google trip here. I'm going to start in Scranton, Pennsylvania. <laughs> And I'm going to go to Utica, but I'm going to add a destination in between, <laughs> which is wilkes Bar. <laughs> no, it's the exact opposite direction. <laughs> oh! So they must have missed on. that turnoff, like, immediately then. Oh, my gosh. But, um, but Wilkes-Barre is only, like, a half hour away from Scranton. Not almost three hours away, <laughs> so... This goes to show how big of a day this turned out to be and why Dwight maybe needed to pee in a can. <laughs> maybe. Um, we also have the reference to Mo Money, Mo Problems. You of all people should know that, Stanley. Hey, where does, where's that from? I, everybody knows that saying, I think. Isn't it um, Biggie Smalls? Mo Money, Yeah, Mo you're problems. right. Notorious B.I.G. Mo Money, Mo Problems. You of all people. Um... <laughs> Just some subtle racism. Yep, very, very, uh, <laughs> very subtle. subtle. <laughs> Almost didn't notice. Uh, we got some people like Colin Powell, the Secretary of State, that they roped in to kind of lie and get us into the war in Iraq, <laughs> according to the movie uh, Vice. <laughs> Ooh, good movie. <laughs> yeah. And the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's a classic. It's a classic. I don't like it that much, but everyone loves it. <laughs> well, Michael loves it, that's for sure. And Animal House. They're not the lame branch. They're Animal House. The the fraternity that doesn't really get very much work done. And is on double, triple, secret, academic probation. <laughs> yeah. And we've got also Angela's Ashes, a really sad book about the Holocaust. The Death of the Twins? Or no, wait. It's not about the Holocaust. It's about, oh, now I look like I didn't even read it. Oh, no, you I didn't. Just like Jim. What's the main character? Angela. Ashes. <laughs> the ashes. And he's like, ashes. <laughs> like, nope. The ashes. <laughs> um, it's a memoir. It's about, yeah, it's about uh, Irish immigrants, right? Yeah. Living in Brooklyn, New York, and Ireland. Hanging out, partying. Twins are dying. Ups and downs. Highs and lows. Part of it was fun for you. Yeah. And then we've got Uncle Remus. That's what Andy refers to Stanley as, um, which is another uh, not so subtle racist comment. <laughs> yeah, so Uncle Remus is like the narrator of some books. I think some like folk tales, maybe. Um, but yeah, well, let's 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 address. Let's come back to the to all the racism when we talk about these characters because there's okay. There's a lot. There's also like a whole montage where they talk about the Finer Things Club. You get to see The House of the Spirits, which is a book. Oh, I love that book. Yeah? 
yeah, Chilean really novelist. Isabel. Yeah, Isabella Allende. And it's a really good movie, too, starring Meryl Streep. Oh, famous Chilean actress. <laughs> um, Memoirs of a Geisha, 1997. And in this one, they're doing A Room with a View, which is a 1908 novel by E.M. Forster set in the Edwardian era. And Oscar says, like, Edwardian, like, I can't, like, the Edwardian, Edwardian time or something. Yeah, and I was like, I never heard that word before. I didn't even know that was. So I'm guessing that was like King Edward, like the Victorian like, was when Queen Victoria yeah. was president. Was yeah. president of, of Britain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really like that they dress up in costume to reflect the type of um, art that they're going to discuss. Yeah, I think it's actually really cute, and it's really funny how um, Oscar says that it's the gayest thing that he does besides have sex with men. And um, Toby doesn't even think twice about it. <laughs> I think Toby does think twice about it because he gets to hang out with Pam and the only other male he'll allow in the group is gay. Ooh, called Boom. out, called out Toby. I think so. In the deleted Toby, scenes, he's like more Toby. when like when Andy does his whole picture, like why wouldn't Andy be in the finer things club? Like he's not, I don't know. Like, like, like he seems like he had a good pitch and everything, but then Toby's just like, I just don't want anyone else in here. I just like it how it's just the three of us, and uh, I think that's why. Yeah, and when Jim uh, wants to be in it and is like, why can't I be in it? And uh, Pam is like, well, some people think you monopolize the conversation by being funny. He's like, oh, Oscar, or does he some say, people. oh, Toby? No, he says Oscar, and then Pam just says, some people. <laughs> it was Pam. That's the him. <laughs> well, he proved her point. You know, um, uh I I've been told that I sometimes monopolate conversations by trying to be funny by every person I've ever met in my whole life. <laughs> Have I said Sometimes that it's to you? just with a look. Uh I think you'll just tell me at the end of the episode, right? <laughs> <laughs> every time segment yet. <laughs> every time we're like, Oh, thanks for listening, I'm just like, God, uh Golly. Can you, Nathan, can you not try to turn my volume down every time? <laughs> try to silence you did, you did me. That. Yeah. You can't tell me, um, you can't tell me that my office opinion doesn't matter. I don't. Okay, what is your, so. what is your office opinion? <laughs> it is that I like the costumes for Angela's ashes. And that is my fashion show, fashion show, fashion show at lunch moment look at that seamless transition into our other segment our other world famous segment that transition was finer than a pot of gold say i <laughs> say i say you eh and then hey. um the bow tie although michael oh. says that's why people are leaving i liked it i thought it was great yeah here's another fashion show though andy's wearing a paracord bracelet under his like suit which is really lame yeah, he does that a lot. Remember when those were in in two thousand seven? Well, they weren't really in, but people were wearing them. How could like they, they thought they would get into like a survival situation, and they would need to like be like, "Oh, don't worry, I've got my bracelet, my paracord bracelet." Can't believe he wouldn't loan it to Michael next week for Survivor, man. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Um, and then an another fashion is the warehouse uniforms. Ooh, ladies, what? ladies warehouse uniforms supposedly like maybe i'm just How a sucker but like well i mean jim says madge on it <laughs> that's a woman 
what is who does this joint say that about is that pam i don't pudge. know uh, <laughs> pudge but uh doesn't jim just look smoking in that too like man he looks good in everything even the mustache i know god Let's do our segment called We Gotta Make Sure YouTube Comes Down to Film This, where we talk about how the show is like a documentary, or sometimes it's also not like a documentary. Well, my observation starts with being the PT Cruiser and just the way that we've kind of noted. Sometimes it kind of seems like it's like a dash cam, and then other times it seems more professional. This time mm-hmm. it seemed like we're back to somewhere in between like it does seem like it's just a camera on the dashboard and that there's not film crew in the car but then once they get to the Utica branch there is that's true I I think there's four dash cams I think there's one pointed at Jim one pointed at Michael and one pointed at Dwight in the back and like the old one that they would have had which is just the whole car because they keep cutting back between those but they never move oh right and so so they have like installed more cameras in the PT cruiser. Yeah. Um cuz they got it's so spacious in there. You you honestly it just opens up the the way it feels in the PT cruiser. You it relaxes you in a way. Yeah, exactly. So you said they had a camera in the car once they get to Utica, but also once they're looking for Jim's phone out the window, there's two cameras out there. So it's like the cameraman must have been in a separate car. And then got in the car with Jim because when mm-hmm. Karen comes out and sees Jim, Jim looks at the cameraman and says, get down, get down. Yeah, she doesn't see him. She sees the camera. Yeah. So because the cameraman pokes his head back up and Jim looks at him like, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they were driving in a separate car, but then went in. And a cameraman did not go in with Michael and Dwight, but they yeah, were. That would, they had a That would have been suspicious. Yeah. Yeah, they just have to have walkie-talkies and say things like, I work in the warehouse. Do you need more proof? <laughs> stuff like that. Suave, cool, calm, collected stuff. <sighs> I'm, I'm breathing really heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all I had for the... We got to make sure YouTube comes down to film this. Me too. Sweet. Do you think the world is crawling with Phyllis's? Let's talk about the characters. And there's actually not that many of the characters in this episode, <laughs> as far as I could see. Yeah. Oscar... He's in the Finer Things Club. We've kind of talked about him. Um, He is taking it really seriously, the Finer Things Club. Um, They really do want to have a good discussion, but Mm -hmm. are almost unable to because of uh, the sounds in the office. And Kevin, Phyllis. Kevin punching a vending machine. That would be really annoying. I mean, an alternative would be for them to go somewhere after work. But I Mm -hmm. think the point of it is to have something to look forward to during the day right a simpler elegant time that they can return to yeah I, in the I break agree. room so it, and like we have you mentioned kevin and then also phyllis kevin's fighting the vending machine and phyllis is making popcorn and it takes <laughs> more I, I lost track but it took more than 25 buttons presses and it still hadn't started yet which is kind of excessive because when I make popcorn, it's like, you can do quick min, obviously. You just do quick yeah. min twice. Or mm. a lot of um, microwaves already have a popcorn button on them. Uh, but do they have a popcorn button? Popcorn. <laughs> popcorn. <laughs> All right. So we've got Oscar. We've got Kevin. 
We have Stanley. Ooh, Stanley. He's kind of like what you might call the protagonist of this episode. Protagonist. Or the antagonist, depending on which way you look at it. He's the hero. He's on the hero's journey. He answers the call. He refuses the call at first when they are able to connect, and then he answers it, and Karen calls him. <laughs> and then the other parts <laughs> of the I'm glad we were able that. to connect. Yeah. And he's the sassy black man um, with a big butt, bigger heart. Why do you think he's leaving? Probably because he's cheating on his wife. Oh, I was looking for money. <laughs> oh, that's the incorrect answer. I was looking for. Yeah, it's nice to see Stanley driving the plot for once. <laughs> you know, he's doing. Man, it. that was kind of that what? was harsh. <laughs> Why? I'm not criticizing him. Kind of criticizing the show because usually it's like one of like three people that are driving the plot. Yeah. Oh, I, the I biggest see. one I can see, like, uh, you know, like there's been times where like groups of people do things, but like when they had Diwali, where it was like this episode wouldn't be happening without Kelly, but that doesn't happen that often. That's true. Do you think it's because they're characters of color or because they're minor characters or both? Uh, I mean, like Kevin's never driven an episode, right? Um, Toby's Kevin... never driven an episode. Ryan has, but he's like kind of one of the main characters, especially the first season. Uh, Phyllis never, well, Phyllis wedding. I don't know. Like, I, I just like when they do that. They don't, they don't need to do it all the time. Like it doesn't need to be like a strict ensemble, but I like when they give people a thing they're doing, you know, and did I stutter is another Stanley centric episode. And the pretzel day. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, he's got his moments there for sure. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. There's uh. a deleted scene where it's just Jim doing his imitation of Stanley and he's just talking about pretzels. <laughs> he's like i'm moving there because they have more than one pretzel day if they do not have more than one pretzel day i don't know what i'll do <laughs> so back to stanley stanley is actually just bluffing he was he wasn't even planning on moving yeah, had he known hard. and and he thinks that um michael is calling his bluff i don't think michael's calling his bluff i think you know, I think if Stanley knew what Michael was doing behind the scenes, that he probably wouldn't have even tried this maneuver because they have gasoline-filled bottles in the back of their trunk. <laughs> like, yes. that's serious. Thank God for Jim. <laughs> yeah. Who knows how many people would have died. I know. And that's what, you know, that is, like, seriously messed up. Yeah. They would have been in prison forever. Yeah. Well, so that's them trying to go get back at Utica. But, like, I think what Stanley assumed is that Michael would spend the day finding money in the budget to keep him or to give him a raise. But that's not what he does at all. He tries a whole bunch of other unrelated things. So, yeah. <laughs> like, and it, uh, like, in fact, for that he doesn't purpose, even, but, yeah. He doesn't even, like, he doesn't call David Wallace to ask for money nope. in the budget. He doesn't do anything like that. <laughs> And it's pretty wild. You know, you feel like if you were looking at somebody with good sales figures, it would be hard to justify not giving them a raise because you're going to lose a lot of their clients probably when they leave. Mm -hmm. um, so it would cost you. That's why I think, I don't know that Stanley actually initiated. I think Karen just called him and then she said that for the record thing as a lie for the camera. But that, uh, and that Stanley was like, I could probably make some money doing this. And then, and then it didn't work out, but he didn't, I think also Stanley is a little bit worried secretly. He's probably insecure. I think maybe a lot of people in office are that if they worked for someone that was actual good boss, 
that they wouldn't be able to slack off. Like, I don't think Stanley would be able to do crossword puzzles during the middle of meetings if he worked at a branch with Karen. So I, I do think that's yeah. part of the reason why they stay is that they're not sure that they'll be able to uh, keep up. Yeah, it's like a symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. Like they need Michael just as much as Michael needs them. And um, the fact that Michael went out and announced that he was going to leave and everyone started clapping <laughs> and they didn't just, you know, jump on the the bandwagon with Michael saying, oh, no, like we can't lose Stanley. Yeah. Um, you what completely do you misread my that? tone. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, well, what do you think? What What's the reason that he's leaving? It's probably his good sales record. No, no, it can't be that. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't be that. Yeah. So th- there's a couple of mistakes in this episode. Speaking of that, w- one is that uh, this is on the, the Wikipedia. But if you look at Dwight or th- I, I saw this somewhere. But if, if you look at Dwight uh, when they make that big announcement, he looks like surprised. That he's like he's like oh Stanley might be leaving. He's like oh, and then when they clap, he's like he's clapping and like looks like he just heard about it, even though he was in the room when Stanley said that already. So he should have already known. Do you think that was a mistake, or do you think um, it was just Dwight trying to act like he was finding out with the rest of the staff? I I don't know why he would do that. It seems like he'd rather be like in the meeting. Like I don't know. pretend that yeah. The other one is that when they throw that phone out of the window, that's totally not where they are, where they go get it. Like they're, they're in like a four lane highway, but when they pick it up, they're like on an on on ramp just with one lane. Cause Question. where they throw out that phone, you wouldn't be able to go back and get it. I don't think. Question. Okay. Uh, would a flip phone survive that? Let's test it. <laughs> Someone call the museum, the national archives. Let's find one of those flippies, flippy guys. Uh, yeah, I think it would. I think it's so funny that um, right after they throw it out, they feel bad about it. Is that of the all the pictures of my brother's new baby on it, and then Dwight's like, "That is that oh, is unfortunate. That is too bad." Yeah, yeah. that funny. is too bad. Shoot. <laughs> Shoot! And then next scene, they're looking for it. Yeah, that was good. Good timing. Can we talk a little bit about Karen and her management style and her her life? We haven't seen her in a long time. Yeah. No, we haven't. And she may be dating someone new, but she is a little bitter still. Um, it, right is she dating someone? So. Well, I don't know. Next time we see her, she's pregnant. Mm. That doesn't mean that she's seeing someone now, but um, she is still bitter. She's maybe bitter is not the right word. She's justifiably a little upset when she sees Jim, mm-hmm. um, especially because Jim kind of digs him self into a hole (laughs) yeah and and karen is like she it's like she said the gig's pretty easy if your boss isn't an idiot and your boyfriend isn't in love with someone else so um i don't know i think that captures it pretty well well it seems like everything's going smoothly for her so why she would open up a new connection to scranton this like she does kind of bring this all on herself like not that she deserves it but like she initiates having to interact with that idiot and that guy that was in love with someone else again <laughs> with her own That's actions true. this time That's she should have just been and like let's sh- not even talk to them <laughs> and she should know that that would have that michael wouldn't let stanley go without a fight it, it is do you feel it's kind of weird though because these people uh impersonate other people trespass on her branch seemingly break her copier and 
her biggest thing is talking to Jim about whether or not he wanted to come back to see her. <laughs> what about all that other stuff? That was way more serious. Yeah, I think I'm assuming that like that would have been brought up behind the scenes or something. Yeah, I don't know. Because if you did that to a company like you, <laughs> those copiers are probably really expensive. Yeah. So what are they going to do without that? Maybe it didn't break Although, all the way. I mean, I think it was cushioned because it fell into Michael. Pinned him against the railing. <laughs> so Host the Dundies. Host his last words. Host yeah. the Dundies. Um, I think that as far as Jim and Karen go, or at least Karen's reaction to Jim, he's the only person that knows, like, is accountable for what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And so by, like, trying to talk sense into Dwight and Michael doesn't really mean anything. And so her attempt at being validated or heard would be to say, Jim, what the hell? Not only did you come here, but you also like broke my heart. So why would you come back here? I would be pissed too. Yeah. She cried for weeks over him. That's so sad. That guy. And then I don't know. I just think that he was so blase and it kind of brought out a boy moment for him oh could you in my opinion describe what that is in your definition it's just like not caring about people's feelings that you said you did care about you know Mm. like he asked her to move back to scranton and then all of a sudden he's like not in love with her anymore because all along he was in love with pam that is kind of messed up yeah and and this is only from Karen's perspective. Obviously, there's, you know, three other perspectives here. But from Karen's perspective, it is really f***ed up. And he is kind of a boy. Sorry about all the beeping you'll have to do. Beep, beep, beep. I'll just tell him it was a it was a Morse code telegram that we were receiving at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah, I can see that. I, I feel like she's probably in a little bit of... Uh, I feel like she's probably pretty unhappy after that day because at first she's like, oh, it was pretty nice to see him getting out of a PT cruiser wearing a woman's uh, yeah, warehouse uniform. Like the worst thing you could be doing because don't only women wear those and drive those. But then he's still like looks so good and is pretty. He stumbles a lot during their like interaction, but he also is kind of leaves. And he's like, ah, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> and just leaves. And it's true that Karen said, oh, thanks for coming here and telling me how great you're doing. Yeah. Um, I'm just so happy that you're doing so great. And it's like, yeah, Jim, come on. Like, you knew you were going to have to, like, for three hours, you knew you were going to have to see Karen. Possibly. That's what I would have said. She's so, like, if you if you wanted to see me so bad, you could have just called me. And I love his response where he's like, he's like, oh, I didn't want to see you. I mean, I'm happy to be seeing you. But uh, ultimately, I was here for the copy. <laughs> but he didn't want to do any of that. And, and, and like, he didn't just say, hey, I, I'm just, I was just trying to stop them from doing dangerous things. I really, really, really didn't want to come because like, he brought that up when they were talking about it. You know, He didn't want to see Karen again because things had ended badly between them and stuff like that. He was doing it pretty much for, I don't know if selfless is the right word, but he did it to like save the company and Michael and Dwight and whoever they were going to blow up. <laughs> Like, but yeah, he doesn't say true. that when he's defending himself. Instead, he's just like, "Yep, that's what we were doing. Okay, I gotta go." <laughs> but I would have said, you know, like, do you want you should, if you wanted to see me, you could have just called me. He'd been like, "Oh, I didn't want to see you. That's why I was hiding. <laughs> I was hiding. I didn't want to see you." Yeah, at all. 
I mean, or he could have just been like, hey, um, I don't know. I feel like he just kind of cowered when he could have just said, hey, you know what? I didn't mean for that to happen. And like, if, you know, you would like to talk mm. more about it, we can. But I didn't mean to come here. I was only trying to, you know, like he could have talked about it in an adult way. Instead, he's like, oh, but I don't know. I'm, I'm really happy with Pam. I would have been like, great, bye, too, you know? But wouldn't that have been less funny in a show? Damn it, Nathan. <laughs> Sorry. It's not the point I'm trying to make. So I'm not BJ Novak. <laughs> I just think Mindy Kaling. Or Joss Whedon. Mindy Kaling wrote this one. Yeah, uh, I love that Like whenever there's these moments that are like awkward and you're like, somebody's being really bad in a relationship and this is like messed up. Mindy Kaling is usually the person who wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> she like mm-hmm. has that's her like it's not her brand that just literally is what she writes those better than anyone else the mindy project yeah is like, all she, about that like i think she thought this interaction between jim and karen would be hilarious because of how bad it was yeah and ultimately i think um it turned out okay for everyone you know it was like okay well karen got the last word in which is awesome mm-hmm. jim went back and was like that was awkward and got to see pam and pam was just like oh i'm sorry that sucks you know so i'm glad they left out that deleted scene with pam like feeling jealous because that just makes it like weird i don't know yeah i think it makes it funny to have pam be like oh i'm sorry that sucks and honestly when i think like in that moment when you see pam's face saying that you're like oh i don't really care how karen feels because you know, I have Pam now. You know, you kind of feel the same that uh, you imagine Jim feeling. Like, yeah. okay, it's good to come home to Pam. Like, Karen will be okay. She'll be fine, you know. I, I love that Pam heard about it from, was it like Ronaldo or whatever? Like the other receptionist from <laughs> from Utica? Like, like they just chat. Like, <laughs> I wonder if like really all the funny. receptionists do that, yeah. Yeah, that would be really funny. Like, that would be the... um that's the buzz. They know everything going on in the office. Well, let's finish off with talking about Jim and Pam since we're talking about both of them. But Jim, yeah, he has that bad interaction with Karen. And then he follows that up with an even worse performance in the Finer Things Club. Ooh. Um, but, but you kind of feel for him because Michael's like, we're going to make her feel bad that you ever broke up with her. And telling <laughs> him to like take her to a motel and make love to her and tell him. <laughs> He, he wants to she wants to get back together just so that they can uh, escape i'm so and, glad that karen didn't hear that oh my god yeah <laughs> <laughs> or like then like michael tries to talk to jim about about why they broke up and he's like is it the sex i can't imagine the sex would have been bad with that body <laughs> and then he, he like has to change the subject i just feel like jim is the adult he, he he's the adult of the whole episode uh Dwight and Michael are the kids and then he's the kid once Karen starts talking to him he gets put in the like mopey teenager place and then he's the kid again in the finer things club but for the first half of it he's he doesn't like being in that position because he's a slacker you could tell when he's about to leave he's calling the cab and then he like hangs up because he's like I have to go or or they're gonna do something terrible that's not the position he likes to be in but then he also the position he likes to be in the joker and the uh slacker loser boyfriend those also don't go well for him in this one so i think it's kind of a transitional moment for him 
Yeah, it totally is. That's a really good point. Um, he's out of his comfort zone in every aspect. Yeah, but when he's in the adult, at least he's doing good. When he's in the other one, he's not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I wonder what we'll see from him going forward. Hmm. New haircut, perhaps? <laughs> Let's talk about Dwight and Michael, though. Dwight cut his penis on a can. He wants to blind people. <laughs> he made Molotov cocktails. And I love at the beginning when he's like, we're going to be out hang playing hooky. And he goes for, for a high five. Michael says, no, I'm going to, I'm usually going to be with Ryan or Daryl. And then he turns the high five and adjusting his glasses. Cause he was left hanging so hard. <laughs> how's Poor it guy. hanging? And yeah. I love how he's the only one still wearing his fake mustache when they're getting interrogated by Karen. Oh yeah. That's, that's cute. This is a classic Dwight, like kind of sidekick, like gung ho. Um, but also just really kind of making Michael <laughs> not make good decisions. Stop He's being like sad in this one. Enabler. Definitely. Yeah, he just stopped being sad. I'm so glad that he's... It's like when he puts his energy into <laughs> helping Michael, although the consequences might be severe, he at least he's not sad. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Silver lining. <laughs> Silver lining um, to throwing Molotov cocktails at an office building. <laughs> what was he thinking? So bad. Uh, and then Michael, he's one of my favorite Michael things in this one is that he can't lie about Toby being great. Like he only makes it a couple sentences <laughs> in before he's just like, ah, he's the worst. <laughs> that was a bluff. <laughs> or like when he tries to recruit or poach one of Karen's top salesmen. <laughs> I fired him and you're next. <laughs> so what do you say? <laughs> Uh, and right when Michael says, oh, we've got a good prank planned, Jim knows that it's bad, which tells you how bad mm -hmm. Michael's pranks are. It goes all the way to proposing to Holly. For some reason, he really likes using gasoline. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. Jim is like, why don't you leave the pranks to me and Pam? I think <laughs> you don't really know what pranks are. <laughs> is this going to be like the prank where you pretended to commit suicide? Or the prank where you fire people and then you tell them they're not fired. <laughs> oh, no. It was just a prank. The bomb was just a prank. Yeah. Well, uh, so Michael is kind of like, let's let's crack open a, you never expect you're the murderer. Because <laughs> Michael is sad that Stanley's leaving. Uh, he's got crosswords, big watery eyes big butt bigger heart but a lot of what he really identifies stanley with is just being the black guy that's there a token black guy yeah because when he wants to replace him like he's a salesman but he doesn't care about that he wants like he wants like a a black middle-aged man that can like fill the spot and he's like kind of kidding but it really does seem like that's the biggest thing for him. And with the Andy, like Uncle Remus thing, you just feel so bad. Stanley has all these attributes himself, but when he talks to people that don't know him that well, everything they say is like, you're black, you know, mo money, mo problems, calling him sassy, even though he's like, he's not really sassy. Like, <laughs> you know, he's pretty Yeah, sassy monotone. or like the, the urban vibe that he always talks about, that Michael always talks about. Yeah. Um, I think that Stanley doesn't. I I'm like trying to think of this from the perspective of 
the show because the show is aware of this um mm-hmm. and for whatever reason they never ha- write stanley saying like hey what you said is racist um and they kind of yeah. do that with like sexism they say they have like the women's appreciation where you know karen um kind of heads up the cause to try to explain to michael why that's not appropriate and same thing with well i guess we have diversity training but i don't know it's not really addressed directly with stanley so what do you what do you think of that well i don't know i mean he's been doing it forever he did it with basketball by assuming stanley would be good at basketball he did it with you know when the branches merged with um the convict guy i can't remember his name right now marvin uh, yeah, Marvin. I don't know how I remember Martin. Him. Martin. Martin. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's been doing it. I. I like. I. It's a good point. I like that in the women's appreciation one that they were able to call him out for it and still keep it funny. Yeah. The show is super aware of it. That's why they keep putting it in. The thing that's interesting is it's he's like a token black employee to Michael, but then Michael also like loves him for that. I don't know. Like, this is what makes it confusing is that, is that Michael is like, if we lose him, we have to get another black person. It's not like for PC. It's like, he's going to feel sad because if there's it, no one there. That, that, that's, yeah, that, it's there's like, no black people it there. like fills the, the void or like it's, I mean, he thinks of it like a family. And so he thinks of it like, oh, his antics are so cute. Like, we've got to have someone who can be a new Stanley. You're never mm-hmm. going to find that. So There's no Stanley tree. No. So he's not really seeing each employee. He's seeing them for who they are, but he's like looking at it as like a, like part of a bigger thing. Yeah. And like each person basically like fulfills a certain stereotype that he has in his head or like a certain character, character, caricature. Yeah. I would say he like thinks so. that even about Angela. Yeah, exactly. And even Toby. Yeah, t- Toby. And then remember, like, when he says to Oscar, he doesn't think his gayness defines him. His Mexicanity is what defines him. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. he likes he likes that. He does like showing it off, but that's not the only reason he likes it. He likes it himself. He, If nobody was looking at their office in terms of diversity or anything, he would still want that. And it exactly. is, like, the opposite it's of, like, the colorblindness type thing that was, like, being preached in, like, the whenever 80s or whatever. That like, you know, he is like appreciating people, but then he also isn't fully learning who those people are. He is like still injecting a lot of stuff he knows about that culture to be part of their personality, like knowing rap or whatever, without actually needing to learn that about them. So it's definitely a mixed. Yeah, he likes the fact that everyone's a misfit, kind of. It's like you said that these people may not thrive in another setting because their quirks would not be honored by a different manager and so although he's kind of like fetishizing it in a way it's it's like he's also honoring it in a weird way i don't know how to how to like make sense of that but yeah um, it's definitely racist (laughs) it's definitely (laughs) sexist but it's like nuanced in a weird way and i think that's the perspective of the show yeah um because obviously there's an awareness that that that's there you know but the the thing that's funny about the show is that nothing that stanley or oscar do is stereotypical for their culture <laughs> no Everything i know that, they, that it's like it's always michael projecting that it's like 
doing crossword puzzles, being grumpy. Those aren't the stereotypes of being black. Those are just Stanley's traits, but he can't separate them. He thinks that Stanley must have these other traits and that all black people probably have those traits that Stanley has, even though that's not a stereotype. That's just something he's like reverse engineered. (laughs) Yes. Okay. You just kind of nailed it there because it's, (laughs) yeah, that is exactly right. And then the other part of it is that Oscar being gay, like he didn't even come out. Like that was michael's doing Mm -hmm. and same thing kind of with stan stanley like his identity he's not like someone who would say hey as the voice of uh black people i want to blah 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 you know he's he doesn't his identity is not really at the forefront of his um his black identity is not the forefront of his mind really although Um, it did seem like he used to be like a black panther maybe and but you know, like when Martin does the like the fit the chest bump thing, he, you see he's his, like, like uh, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I, just I know. Like, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and anyway, we don't we don't know. I mean, and that's like left as a question mark, which I kind of like. It kind of gets you thinking, like, oh, maybe I'm assigning this these characteristics to him, and that's not really there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, um, we don't do this segment all the time, but since this is the episode with the Finer Things Club, do you have anything for our segment, the Finer Things Club, where we talk about our favorite stuff? Yeah, I put the Finer Things Club. <laughs> I liked that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've already hit all those points. But yeah, I really like the Finer Things Club. It's Maybe I should start one of those at my workplace. Probably. Well, my favorite thing in this episode is when... He's talking to that other salesman and he's trying to get him to come aboard. And that guy says, aren't you the guy that that uh, hit one of the his workers with his car? And Pam <laughs> like guffaws and, and Michael says, get out. <laughs> and she leaves for the rest of the call. <laughs> but she's so funny that like that's the first thing people know about him that have never met him. And I like that too. Get out. I also like uh, the eyes or the groin of the face. <laughs> That's just like he just cuts him saying just that after he was talking about trying to take out their eyes. I saw his eyes. It's so funny. Yeah. Oh man, there's some like I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen this episode, but I still was just laughing out loud. I don't it's just there's probably four or five moments where you're just like, oh my god, that is brilliant. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. So that goes um, under the Finer Things Club, I would say. Nice. Let's do the Dundies for this episode. Do you have your Dundee ready to go? Yeah, I do. Do you? No. Let's do yours first. I'll think about it. I'm going to give mine to Karen. It's because I just really am happy that she's seems like she's in a better place. And I don't even care what you say. I like that she gets the last word in. And I think... <laughs> She said everything that she needed to say, and this was kind of closure for her, so now she can go off and get pregnant by someone else. Yep. (laughs) And also film Parks and Rec. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care that she got the last word. I think that's cool. Did I say I didn't like that? Um, Well, whatever. No, but I think you said that you, I mean, at least my feeling was that you thought maybe she should have went about it in a different way. No, I I, I think I will attack redact that i think what retract it i think what she said i think she probably had that conversation more before the scene started because they're already talking for a while 
and then we see the end of that conversation and then we see the uh jim hang back and let's talk about this too so i do think that was like a like an add-on to it so they probably talked a lot longer about the other stuff i'm still a little bit surprised that they didn't get in more trouble for that but oh i see okay yeah Yeah. so i i thought about that after i talked which is always the right order you should do that in (laughs) um but i still think i'm gonna give mine to jim because he may have saved a life (laughs) probably (laughs) saved some people's jobs and even though i did i save a life yes my (laughs) own own. i think that the way he reacts to having his phone thrown out the window and stuff like he could be (laughs) a lot more angry and his like his humorous defense mechanism is actually pretty funny in those situations. And like, he does dig himself in a huge hole when he's talking about Pan and you're like, but it's like one of the most cringy things he's done until like yeah. Charles minor, like where you're like, Jim, what are you doing? But, yeah. uh, but he still saved lives. So he gets a Dundee. It's for, yeah. And he got out of there without like, I mean, yeah, it was embarrassing, but um, <laughs> I mean, maybe, Honestly, he got the last laugh because he gets to go home to old Pammy. Yeah, old Pammy's going home. I, I yeah, I think uh, I think my Dundee is going to be called. Is he a hero? I really can't say, but yes. <laughs> Anytime <laughs> someone saves home? a life, yeah. My Dundee is called um, "Hello, Mister Heartbreak." Oh, okay. Karen probably faced one of her biggest fears, and she didn't have a choice. She did it. Which was talking to Jim. Seeing Jim again. I don't know. Like, you ever, like, have a bad breakup. It is, like, kind of, like, sometimes a really rough time until the first time you see them again. Because sometimes that can be a really long time, and you're not sure what it's going to be like until it actually happens. And you know that and you'll then probably after that, see them. Yeah. And after that, you're like, like, oh, if I see them again, it'll be the same, but it'll, you know, whatever. Like, but, but that first time, you don't know what it's going to be like until it actually happens. And I think that was what had to happen. And both, I think for yeah. both of them. And like when you like during that time when you're like, oh, I know I'm going to see him, you start thinking, what am I going to say? Oh, I'm going to probably say this. And then you think of all the scenarios. And then, I mean, honestly, it couldn't have gone better for Karen. She was just Mm -hmm. like she made him look like a fool. And she probably felt so good after that. And um, so, yeah. And now she's the manager of Utica. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I like that you gave it to Jim, though, because he did deserve it, too. And what does this episode deserve in terms of ratings on our seven-point scale? Seven-point scale being seven. Absolutely, I do. Six. Six pretzel, pretzel day. day. <laughs> Five. Beach day. Four. Alfredo's Pizza Cafe. Three. Nice. A little suspicious. <laughs> yeah. Two. Um... Garbage Garb- the cat yep. and one. This just stinks. Nice. Um. Uh, okay, I think I got it. Okay. I'm torn between two, but let's see what yours is. Maybe we'll resolve it in the in the negotiation when we bring our ratings together. Okay. All right. Was so it three, two, two one. one? Beach day. Beach day. Is that what you're gonna? I say? was gonna say go. I was going to say go. Oh, Three, two, one, go. go. <laughs> is Beach Day the rating you really have? I, yeah, I was going to say Beach Day. Because I think it's better than Alfredo's Pizza Cafe and not yeah. as good as Pretzel Day. That's a good reason. 
Yeah, I, I, we have some of my favorite episodes of all time coming up in the next few, so I definitely couldn't give it the very top, and I, I don't know, but I love this episode. It's really funny. What is your all-time favorite episode again? Well, I, I've in the past said Dinner Party and The Deposition, oh. and both of those are back-to-back, so... Dinner Party is so good. They're coming up in, like, um, two to three episodes. That's, that's They're right around the corner. So, so and they're both back to back. So I'm very excited. Okay, but yeah, I'm excited. Speaking for of you. things that uh, ratings, let's do uh, our segment where we read a review that was written about us on iTunes. It's called "Word Is Our Branch Sucks." This is That's a segment, the name of the segment called. Oh, well, the oh, segment's usually called. I, I hold up very well to even severe scrutiny, but today it's called "Word Is Our Branch Sucks." <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. So this review um, uh, by APQXJ, nice name, not, it's called (laughs) I'm Torn, because they are generally fun and interesting, but A, leave politics out of it, and B, leave the office ladies alone. The latter is the superior podcast. Also, you guys mentioned that you wouldn't be reading only the positive reviews in your shows, but that's all I've heard so far. Read this one, and then he uses two hashtags that I equate with white supremacy. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you what they are. Well, I mean, I will say that we have read some negative reviews. One Absolutely, was we have. Yeah, one was specifically about me. I don't know if you remember. I yeah. do. We've read all of them. <laughs> yeah, That's we read we all the reviews. Yeah, but, and we hold up still. Because we, we still got three nice. stars. We still got three stars, so I don't even, like, okay, bye. Yeah. Um, uh, let's read. But we... We're not very nice to people that read us, leave us bad reviews. So yeah, our it's like Nathan said. Seems like this guy knows about our policy to read every review, but doesn't know about our policy to mercilessly mock the people that leave bad reviews. So yeah. okay, APQXJ, come at me. Actually, so, please don't. <laughs> the only thing I want to say about this review is a we don't we don't say anything bad about the office ladies. I. I assume that's a really good podcast. I can't listen to it because my dentist said it gave me cavities. But, uh, but it's and also it's good. Just like it's like it gives me like a ringing in the ear, and I think it's because I realize that Jenna Fisher and Angela Martin are both, um, or Angela, whatever her name is, are both like they're woo girls. I'm sorry, <laughs> but they are. Now, <laughs> now we're serving. <laughs> A lot of the people that listen to this podcast like both podcasts and they're different. They offer different experiences. That's people that were on the show talking to their celebrity friends about like what it's like to rewatch the show for the first time and then we're fans talking about it. But also, who cares? They have like 100,000 time the listenership of our podcast. They were not like a threat to them at all. Yeah. And let's go to A, leave politics out of it. Okay. So our original goal with this podcast was to kind of define why we liked The Office so much and why people um, continue to watch it. I think for me, at least, it gives me a sense of calm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And in this world, I really need that right now. And I think it also provides a commentary about society that um, is like really unique to The Office. And the awareness of the show, I think, is like before its time. Like it's it's um, commenting on, you know, the pitfalls and the different situations you can get in when you're stuck in a 
capitalist daily grind sort of situation like we all are. So Mm -hmm. to leave politics out of it, there's no way. Sorry. That's part of it. Yeah. And we barely mentioned politics. I'm afraid if there there was like a time during the earlier episodes where we mentioned politics a little bit more. And I, I do understand and sympathize with people that don't want us to mention politics because they want an escape from our hell hellscape of a world that we live in <laughs> because they want to listen to a podcast. And I understand that, but that's not the same thing as being able to pretend. I think if you're still bothered by how much you mention politics, it's probably because every time we like make a little, like one line, you're like, you kind of like feel it like a dagger in your heart because like, Oh, they don't agree with me. Cause I'm a Trump person. But honestly, our job is not to make you feel like we might be Trump people. We're not the people that make the office aren't the office ladies are not nobody that you respect is i'm sorry some people don't mention it because that's their business and they don't want to lose it and other people will but this isn't our job and i'm gonna take one step further and just say like if you are a trump supporter then i don't care if you listen or not (laughs) so yeah you can but you can't pretend that we're doing it like we're part of that we're we're not yeah and we're not gonna pretend like we are to be like to make everybody happy but uh thanks for leaving the review you and <laughs> and if you're wondering hopefully, what it really pot <laughs> what's that hopefully you don't feel torn anymore hopefully we've made the <laughs> it clear for you yeah we, um, we tore you to one side only <laughs> uh but what about so glad i found this i'll read it okay so glad i found this exclamation point and uh, we got five stars i'm so glad i found this podcast i've been re-watching the office and was super excited to find this funny and well done podcast. I'm totally fine with there not being guest interviews. I much prefer the dynamic between Nathan and Addie. They Aww. make me laugh, and I admit I've enjoyed listening to it as I fall asleep. Oh, okay. See, this is a follow up to somebody else told us that that made them fall asleep. Yeah, and this um, person's like, I love it. It makes me fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, it's all about perspective. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I love entering the subconscious with people. <laughs> and then we got one the same day as I'm torn, dot, dot, dot. It was also from Canada. Which one? What's um, that one? The Michael Scott Paper Company of Podcasts. Have we read that one? Sounds bad. It's better than Prince Family Paper of Podcasts. That's true. Um, they shut down. Uh, four stars. So it couldn't be that bad. Those who rewatch the office regularly will enjoy hearing two friends nerd out about the office the clever segments witty banter and disturbingly impressive recall of series-long details makes revisiting each episode extra fun it doesn't have the production value or guest interviews that can be pulled off by corporate sponsored podcasts but nathan and addy hold their own as non-annoying super fans (laughs) that's my ultimate goal is to be a non-annoying super fan that was by Rissles via Apple Podcasts in Canada. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Canada. So we d- we did get a couple of good reviews too <laughs> in Canada because they have Justin Trudeau. <laughs> you guys are you guys are rocking it <laughs> up there in Canada. I love you and thanks for listening to this episode. Um, if if you're listening to this episode and you get to this point and you go hey they didn't do a lot of their segments and you look down at the counter and there's a lot left i'm debating we, we talked a lot about characters stuff i'm debating taking some of the earlier segments that didn't really have that much going on in them and just putting them at the end after the credits for people that want to hear them uh but i don't know if, but if i don't do that i'm just going to delete this so uh okay but, so that if, sounds if, actually like a good idea though 
because we went really long, but I also I don't want to cut any of the character stuff we went out, and I don't want to put that stuff after the credits. So if you notice we missed some and you see extra time, then just keep listening after the very short credits, and you can hear the rest of the episode. Sick. And thanks for listening. Send us an email at the a5podcast at gmail.com. We haven't gotten an email in a little while. Or write us a review on iTunes, and we'll read it. Go to the Facebook, the Finer Things Club group. Or follow us on Instagram. We've been posting a little bit more on Instagram lately, and it's been really fun. That's the Off Fire podcast. Any last words? Uh, no. Big butt, bigger heart. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> bye bye. Okay, at least. But anyway. Let's not uh, talk about that stuff. Instead, let's do one of our famous segments. This one's called How the Turntables, where we talk about the things that are correct or incorrect that Michael says, his weird turns of phrases, turntables of phrases. Our famous segment. This is this segment is famous around the world. Um, and I would just like to thank Michael Scott for that. I would also like to thank Michael Scott. What do, what do you, you have, have for this one? Oh, no. I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> um, I feel like someone who came to school um, with their homework unfinished and there wasn't even anyone to copy off of because I don't have anything and I don't oh, know how no. that's possible. I don't know. I don't know how that's possible. I'm so sorry. To well, I, I don't have her. that many. That's why when you said a famous segment, I was like, Oh no. <laughs> so famous because whenever people don't, we don't have one. People get really sad. <laughs> so I, I know there'll I, be an uprising. I work a hard job and I come home and my house is, too small and my bed is too painful to sleep on but at least i've got how the turntables on the off five anyway (laughs) one is that michael says we are going to make karen wish she had never been dumped by you (laughs) it's not really a phrase but it's kind of a funny you know way to say it this one he messes up do that (laughs) this one's really subtle it says if you so much as harm a hair on stanley's head we'll burn you to cut of the ground but he does he's bald (laughs) well so what it is is when you say as like so much you mean like like at you know even this or whatever so if you what you would want to say is if you harm as much as a hair on stanley's head will burn you to cut the ground which would mean if you harm him even if it's just his hair you would burn it to the ground but the way he says it it's like if you so much um if you so much Oh, if you so much as harm a hair on Stanley's head, which means that like the other thing would be all the other things you could do to Stanley's hair. <laughs> you get hair, you know, if, like, if you burned his hair, that would be really bad. If you cut it. Anyway. If you so much as harm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's like adding two together that kind of negates the other one. Yeah. Um, well, this is why one of my pet peeves is like when you put things in the wrong order. Like if, if you say like, um, I don't, uh. I don't even have a tennis racket, let alone play tennis <laughs> or something like that. That's not a very good one. I don't <laughs> even play tennis, one. let alone have a racket. Yeah. Like it would, it's supposed to be like the, the let alone would be the, the even more extreme one, but sometimes, but a lot of times people reverse that in everyday speech, which it always kind of like, I always notice it doesn't bug me that much, but. Um, Michael also says, how's it hanging to Karen, which yeah, I guess is, uh supposedly like supposed to be like only a thing that you say to guys yeah or if you're like hanging out 
Yeah, I guess. You have, you have it hanging out. No, actually, that's true, but you don't really think of it that way, except in this case you do because he says to the left, to the right. Like He like starts <laughs> following it up with other more general yeah. specific ah! things. <laughs> and then, um, so I guess I did have a few things. You have to say, up Karen, how are they hanging? <laughs> the labia. <laughs> um... <laughs> Um, Michael says, I'm a genie in a bottle and I'm going to grant you three wishes when the genie is, is the genie supposed to be in the bottle? Uh, well, uh, ex Tina Aguilera was in the bottle. So I thought <laughs> that's Sabrina what it was. Uh, <laughs> a, I thought it was a reference to that song kind of. Oh, I'm a genie in a bottle. Oh yeah. 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 Cause usually the genie is in a lamp, right? Yeah, Exactly. Okay, what else uh, do you have? <laughs> oh, uh, it's not really wrong, but when he says to Stanley, fly away, sweet little bird. Fly away and be free. <laughs> it's a little extreme. And then when he says, I doubt that box will be able to contain all the memories you have of this place. <laughs> that doesn't really make sense either. Because <laughs> the memories are in your head. You don't have to. It doesn't matter how big the box is, right? I don't fly know. Fly away, little birdie, and be free. I like that one. You're right. I'm probably going to cut a lot of those out because they're not even that entertaining. So if I did, then I'll say this and then it'll be in there. But there weren't we'll a lot in this him. one. I know. I thought that too. And we should start with a so stronger segment than this one in the future. Like Kevin's, like Kevin's chilies are references. The world famous Kevin's chilies. Actually, and let's let's do crack open a cold open. I, I feel weird that we're like doing all the segments that that are like not related to what actually happened in the episode so much okay yeah let's do crack open a cold open and that brings me to are do you have any other um kevin's chilies mentions? uh they're listening to vivalde which is i guess classy but also like the most stereotypical classy song in the world so yeah lame. i know it's like i mean some of the things that they choose i think are really good but if you're gonna go with finer things you better come up with some more obscure art you know and the way that that um oscar is discussing it is very his tone you know it's actually 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 and you know it's very uh brave the way that they you know he's it's like okay dude take it take a chill pill you're listening to vivaldi predictable you know like they're trying to better themselves i don't think they've any of them have like gone to college oh i, I guess uh um definitely toby and wouldn't Oscar have to get like an accounting degree? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Probably, huh? And Never Pam mind. went to Scratch art that. school. I'm kidding. Uh, not yet, huh? <laughs> I know. Um, well, anyway, it's it's yeah. a point is like they're just in a little a little town and they're like trying to be classy, but they're not like you know they're doing their best. I mean, they're classier than actually... me. So, what about the car that he had before? Uh, what did he hit Meredith with? Was that the PT Cruiser? Or Was that the Sebring? It was the Sebring, I'm pretty sure. And then he had a rental. Because, yeah. <laughs> because of oh, like, so, getting the dent out. Yeah, so what happened to the Sebring? Uh, traded it in for something with, with more, there's more economical for that climate. Also a convertible, though. <laughs> Still a convertible, of course. And maybe he's thinking long-term, like, he, you know, room for kids. That's right. Wait, I thought they traded in both of their cars for a Porsche for Jan. Uh, it was only a few episodes ago. <laughs> I know you're right. Okay, wait. This must be so, the company lease, though, right? Because he always has a company lease too. 
So he drives a rented Ford Taurus while his um, Sebring is in the shop. He drove it into a lake. He drove his car into a f***ing lake. (laughs) Um, In money, Michael has sold his Sebring and used the money to help Dan buy a Porsche. He takes the bus to work. In Branch Wars, Michael has a... But the Sebring was the company company lease. How could he sell it? Maybe... Oh, yeah. Um, That's a good question. (laughs) In Branch Wars, Michael has a red PT Cruiser convertible. It is not explained how he paid for it. Jan and Michael drive a red PT Cruiser to New York for the deposition. In Broke, Michael requests a new Sebring as one of his conditions for returning to Dunford Mifflin. So it's probably they couldn't afford the Porsche and they got the PT Cruiser. Yeah, or maybe they never had a Porsche. Wait, no, but Michael gets picked up in that car with when Jan's drunk. The Porsche? Oh, yeah, after the night with Vikram. Oh, I figured it out. It's a TV show and they didn't care. <laughs> they didn't care about continuity. They didn't know that uh, 13 years later we would be... They didn't know that 13 years later someone would be spending their time trying to decipher this timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we probably shouldn't. Huh? I have a pet peeve about those popcorn buttons because I've had this okay. happen... <laughs> multiple time with different people where they own a popcorn maker and then they make popcorn and it's burnt and then they'll be like well i just press the popcorn button and i'll be like but it's your microwave don't you know that it burns popcorn by now? <laughs> like you can't just trust it's not an excuse to stop making your popcorn <laughs> just because it has a button and you're like well that's what it does it burns 10 percent of it every time <laughs> like you just have to not use that button now <laughs> yeah haven't you got this down to a science personal responsibility no there's no science it's an art you have step to listen up. you have to step listen for up. the the breaks between the pops and be like ooh, you know yeah five, oh, five seconds close. of no pops okay oh. all right it's it's mm-hmm. like 20 minutes between each contraction you should know they're about to go into labor right. so don't just don't just say oh it's the button well when you get my 20 problem. minutes between contractions you're like you go oh popcorn's almost ready <laughs> here's my problem yeah. I don't have a microwave. Oh. <laughs> so, I mean, so that's, yeah. So you make it so on the pan? What, like a, like I a don't even make, I don't little even home on the prairie type person. My cast iron. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's, I, guys, let's pull it together and buy out of your microwave. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would, I wouldn't be opposed. <laughs> the microwave, if you don't know, was invented 70 years ago. <laughs> No, I don't know. Long it time also, ago. It also emits radiation into your home, so yeah. I guess who's laughing now? Probably everyone eating popcorn, watching a <laughs> Adam Sandler film. <laughs> oh man. Um 